0: Jesus, born to be king. The world today is in a sad state. Even in the most advanced countries, governments and systems are creaking and under constant buffeting of crisis after crisis, along with the personal and social life of individuals around which they were built. The teaching of the Bible shows us what can be not only our destiny but also what is to be the destiny of the whole world and the solution will take place here on earth and will be centered on jesus christ who will be king king of the jews and king of the world your king and my king the teaching of the Bible from beginning to end has to do with in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and that's from the very first verse of the Bible Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 and another simple straightforward statement an Old Testament prophet this time Habakkuk who said for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now what we have to say now greatly concerns the earth and its people. Today the nature of government in this country is such that the monarch is detached, holding no allegiance to the right, the left or the centre parties. When the people vote the queen of this country goes through nothing more than the ritual act of calling in sorry, calling in the victorious party leaders, inviting them and their chosen leader to be prime minister and to form her government. She has at all times to preserve her monarchical neutrality. However, this has not always been the situation with kings and queens, even in this country. They were the government. They raised taxes. They allocated land as they deemed fit. They deprived this man and they rewarded that man. They formed an army. They went to war and when it suited them, they declared the peace. Now this all changed over the years. And we have today what is a mainly stable form of democratic government of which Sir Winston Churchill once said, Many forms of government have been tried, and will be tried, in this world of sin and woe. No one pretends that democracy is perfect, or all-wise. Indeed, it has been said that democracy is the worst form of government, except for all those other forms that have been tried from time to time because of this form of government we have freedom of worship and we should thank god for this and we should always remember that the bible teaches us that we should have respect for all governments this nation has parliament the queen and there was a third estate the church that was the essence of the order that there was But in more recent times, the role of the church has greatly diminished. Now, this was not the type of government that the Jews and the nation of Israel had. No, what their system of rulership comprised of was quite different. Firstly, and initially, God was Israel's king, and he gave his laws, and those laws were performed through the priests through whom the ordinary people worshipped some of these laws had what would be termed today a civil application the same kind of law that said for example that if you dug a deep hole in your garden if you did this and if somebody if somebody was to fall through and if there was no warning or protection and if they were then hurt or even killed then you personally had to make compensation. Moreover, and quite uh, often, you would have to forfeit your own life because of your callous disregard and care for the safety of others. Now, this is how the nation of Israel operated for quite some time until they too were ruled over by their own human kings. Not because God wanted it, but because they wanted it. They wanted to be like the nations round about them. And so they became like them and they went downhill as a nation as a direct consequence. Now, those Jewish people are the same Jewish people that we have with us today in this country. And there are approximately 284,000 of them with approximately a thousand Jewish families living around where I am here in Nottingham. And so I Googled my local synagogue and here it is, the Hatikva synagogue, which you can see, see on the screen there. And it's just around the corner from where we the Christadelphians used to meet here in Nottingham, just northward off of the map shown here. Now, remarkably, these people are exactly the same people who have gathered themselves together in the land of Israel, which I visited in February of this year, just before the COVID-19 lockdown. And these, these Jews are now known as the Israelis. And they are the direct descendants of those people who were living on the earth 2,000 years ago at the time when Jesus was here. And further back to when King David reigned as king in Jerusalem. And much further back to the days of the father of the Jewish nation to the man Abraham. If you Google it, you will find that some of the most popular Jewish first names given Last year to their children were Noah, Elijah, Isaac and Jesse, if they were boys. Or Hannah, Leah, Ruth and Esther, if they were girls. And some of the most common Jewish surnames are Cohen, Levi, Isaacs, Abrahams or Goldstein. So if we look at the state of Israel as we have it today, we discover that it does not does not have a king they have a system of government just like any many other countries in the world and they have from time to time their own constitutional crises with their governments often leading to resignations and coalitions and new leaders they are no different to many other countries they have a form of government and on the screen with a prime minister there's Benjamin Netanyahu, he's the prime minister, which is the most important role. And they also have a president. And the president is mainly a figurehead. Now, what we really want to zoom in on, if you'll excuse the expression, to focus on is that though the world today doesn't know it, and the people of Israel certainly do not know it, that in the future, in Jerusalem, there is going to be a throne, a throne on which a king, the king, will sit. We're not talking about a spiritually occupied or an out-of-this-world or a heavenly occupied throne. No, we are talking about a throne being really occupied in literal Jerusalem, in Israel. A throne on which a king, the king, will sit. Let us now look at the Bible and see just what it has to say to us. We're going to look at the book of Luke. So if you'll turn with me to the third gospel in the New Testament, written under the inspiration of an apostle of Jesus, Luke. And in chapter one, we read the true account of the birth of Jesus. The angel has arrived and is speaking to Mary, who is to be the mother of Jesus. And the angel and Angels, by the way, are immortal messengers sent from God. They are not mortal beings. They live with God. The angels' message that we are going to read about is an extremely well-known piece of scripture, hopefully with a difference. Therefore, and this is the reason that we didn't start with an introductory reason, because if you know them, I want you to imagine that this is the first time you have ever heard them and that you have never read them before. You are to imagine that this is the first time and that you are to imagine that this is like reading a legal document containing a legal binding clause. So Luke chapter 1 And reading from verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Here is a distinct promise about the birth of Jesus. And continuing on in verse 33, it says, And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now, just reading together again, but this time from the screen but of the end of verses, verse 32 and 33 together. And listen to these words as though you had never heard them before. And the Lord God shall give unto him, Jesus, the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Jesus will reign over the Jews, that is, the house of Jacob. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? They were the fathers of the house of Israel, and God changed Jacob's name to Israel. He had 12 sons who became the 12 tribes of Israel. In the same way as we can talk about the royal families here in England, we have the House of Tudor of Welsh origin, or the House of Stuart of Scottish origin, or up to date our present Queen, who is a member of the House of Windsor, which succeeded Queen Victoria's German House of Hanover. Now ponder verse 33 once again, because it states clearly that Jesus will reign over the Jews and up until now, that is about the last thing that has ever happened. Today's secular Jews, young and old, in the main are not interested in a king or a messiah, in Abraham, King David or in anything at all to do with their past. Most of them, sadly, are atheists or agnostics, only interested in the present, in survival, so that they can have a future. But a future which they perceive, not one as God would have for them. Now, although there are many exceptions, and there are, I met with a few of them in my recent visit to Israel, and especially in Jerusalem, there are Jews in general, Orthodox or otherwise, who do not tend to believe in Jesus of Nazareth. Some are still looking elsewhere for their Messiah. Nevertheless, what it says there to us in verses 32 and 33 is the key to the destiny of the world. The throne referred to is the throne of King David, who was the Psalmist of Israel who reigned from Jerusalem 1,000 years before Christ, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 33 years. So the angel, she says to Mary, who was a direct descendant of King David, Mary, you're going to have a son. Mary, God is going to give to your son the throne in Jerusalem of his father, your ancestor, King David. Your son is going to reign over the whole house of of Jacob. That is the whole house of Israel. And his kingdom will not end like those other ones. Mary, that is a promise. We shall now turn over then to the end of this gospel in Luke and to the 23rd chapter. And this chapter concerns the harrowing description of... Of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ the Gospel of Luke chapter 23 and we will start reading at verse 33 and again try if you can to imagine that you have never ever heard these words before and think of them in conjunction with what we have just read in chapter 1 concerning Christ as a king so Luke 23 verse 33 and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary there they crucified him and the malefactors one on the right hand and the other on the left then said Jesus father forgive them for they know not what they do and they parted his raiment and cast lots And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the King of the Jews. This is the King of the Jews. So what was said at the beginning of the gospel was there at the end. The Jews had received the message but they didn't want it. What was said to Mary at the beginning before he was born has come right through and is said again at the end as he was crucified. And as he is crucified, these are the words put up, not by the Jews, no, but amazingly, by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of all all people. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now, This greatly upset the leaders of the Jews, who therefore went to Pilate to protest about this inscription written above Jesus. And in the parallel account found in John chapter 19 at verse 21, they said, Write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate said something somewhat ironical, something which was the truth and which was way, way beyond himself when he stated in verse 22, what I have written, I have written. It was as if Pilate had issued a proclamation of the gospel declaring here is your king. Now in these words, there is obviously one infinitely higher in control here. Without doubt, Almighty God had decreed the truth of what he had written. Neither Pilate, nor the Ph- Pharisees, or the Sadducees, or the scribes, or the lawyers, kings, or rulers, or any of us will be able to obliterate whatever God has said. For these words will stand The Lord God shall give unto him Jesus. The throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, as we read in Luke 1. However, he never received it. He never was a king. When he did all those miracles, when he made bread and fed the multitudes, they said to him, This is the man for us. They wanted to make him a king and came to take him by force for that very purpose. He, however, said to them, you haven't come because you saw the miracles, but because you ate bread. They had not understood what was behind the miracles. And that is that no man can do these works unless he is from or of God. They understood what a number of people see, not everyone, of course, but what people vote for in elections, that is, what's in it for them personally. Who is going to give them something here and now? Selfish interests, selfish motives, not what might be best for the whole of society, for the future well-being of all, just as we've seen in the actions of the people during this COVID-19 pandemic likewise there was no interest in goodness and righteousness government elections campaigns always seem to be run on a squalid level when jesus was crucified there was another option had he wanted it and matthew 26 verse 53 informs us that when they came to take him in the garden of gethsemane he said to them thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. But no, he raised not even a hand to, de- to save or to defend himself, let alone to make himself a king, which he could easily have done, especially with 12 legion of angels behind him. So at this juncture, let's now ask a vital question. Why do we think that the Jews have gone back to what was called Palestine but today is known as Israel after being scattered as a people for 2,000 years amongst the nations? There has never been in the whole history of the world anything known to man like this to exist as a nation for 2,000 years scattered And without a land and not lose their identity this is a miracle however to go back to the land and establish a nation in the face of incredible opposition is quite another miracle we're not just talking about opposition from the hostile arab nations around the land no when the nation was forming the un and the usa and even from the united kingdom and many others they formed an opposition and yet the jews returned and they survived and in a very in very simplistic terms they have returned and gone from strength to strength they are there today and the miracle has and is still taking place in our lifetime. When I visited Israel, Jews asked me on more than one occasion, why have you come to Israel? I replied to to see the miracle for myself. I asked them where they had come from and why they were there in the land. And they replied to be part of the miracle. Now, Luke chapter 21 and verse 24 says, They, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. Is this true? Did it happen? We cannot deny the truth of these words. What God has written, God has written. Google it. There are Jews in the USA, France, Canada, Russia, the UK, Gibraltar, Malta, the Falkland Islands, Ar- Argentina, Germany, Brazil, Australia, New Zealand, China, Cuba, Kenya, Uganda, Cyprus, Singapore, India, Jamaica, Barbados. I could I could go on just to name a few. There was even a Jewish society in Cairo, Egypt and many, many other places. And if you have been on holiday somewhere abroad, they are there. And God said that they would be. Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10 explicitly states God's inspired word when he declares, ye, the Jews, are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And another prophet, Malachi chapter 3, this time in verse 6, declares, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. All of this is the most compelling reason that we can come across to believe, because we have never, never ever found anyone who has been able to come up with a reasonable argument to disprove it. People say it's a coincidence. But when Jesus said 2,000 years ago that it would happen, and we can see that not only were they scattered but also regathered that it did happen, then if we are open minded, then we should not be otherwise than amazed and absolutely stunned to see that all this has occurred exactly and precisely as foretold. Now, just finishing that verse 24, the verse 24 from that passage that we just quoted from Luke 21, it continues to say, And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Jerusalem will be under Gentile, that is, non-Jewish control, until. Until, meaning that at some point, Gentile non-Jewish control would have ceased, would have finished. This verse is telling us that there would be a time when Jerusalem which has been held by others, such as the Romans, the Arabs, the Turks, the British, well, things would change and the dominion of the Gentiles over Jerusalem would come to an end. It has happened in part during your lifetime, if you were born before 1967, because that's when it started to take place, during the famous Israeli Six Day War. It was not free in Jesus' day because then the Romans were in control. It was only in 1967 that for the first time that Jerusalem, and we stress that Jerusalem was predominantly in Jewish control since the days of the ancient kings. And the slide we have up now is a famous picture of three Israeli default paratroopers who, after the capture of Jerusalem, they stood at the Western Wall. And that is quite a famous picture, which symbolizes their recapture of Jerusalem in 1967. And there's a rare photo there of the general just before they launched their attack and towards the Dome of the Rock and retook the old city and the Western Wall for the first time since ad 70 when the jews were cast out of their land now let's go back and come to rest on the last of these ancient kings of judah and jerusalem to a wicked man by the name of zedekiah now we're not going to go into any sort of detail about this detail about this man we are just we're just interested, and we need to take notice of something that was said to him by God through the prophet Ezekiel Ezekiel chapter 21 and verse and, the, and just three verses Ezekiel 21, reading from verse 25, and thou, speaking to Zedekiah, and thou profane wicked prince of israel whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end thus saith the lord god remove the diadem and take off the crown this shall not be the same exalt him that is low and abase him that is high i will overturn 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 it the kingdom and it shall be no more until He come, whose right it is, and I will give it him. Until he come, whose right it is, and I will give it him. Remember the angel's words to Mary concerning her son? And the Lord God shall give unto him, Jesus, the throne of his father David. Luke chapter 1 then directly links with Ezekiel chapter 20 chapter 20 sorry Luke, 20, Luke 1 directly links with Ezekiel chapter 21 written some 500 or so years before and it all adds up scripture talks of a king to reign on David's throne the jews were scattered as a consequence of their wickedness they have been oppressed For 2,000 years, they are now regathered in their ancient land of Israel. Jerusalem, once more, is their capital city. And unbeknown to the world, it is poised for the return of the king. In other words, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second coming of Jesus is not that he might be the lamb that takes away the sins of the world by dying ever again, but in the strength of and as the lion of the tribe of Judah, as a king to rule. Let's now look at some straightforward passages of Scripture, the simple teaching of the Scriptures. Jesus was born, he lived, and he died. He was then raised from the dead. He was then on earth for another 40 days, after which he ascended into heaven. And as he ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives opposite Jerusalem, two angels spoke to his disciples who watched. And they said, and it's recorded for us in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 1 and verse 11, the angels said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Well, here we have the definitive and clear promise concerning the second coming of Jesus. And it is one of the clearest verses in the whole of Scripture. Now, the third chapter of Acts is where the Apostle Peter, who was preaching to a Jewish audience at the temple in Jerusalem, tells his listeners to repent, to believe that Jesus is Messiah, to be baptized and to wait for his return. And we read in verse 21 of Acts chapter 3 concerning Jesus, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So Peter says that Jesus, the Christ, is going to come back and that it will not be until the times of restoration are fulfilled that the prophets have spoken of the restoration, that is, the restoring of that throne, that kingdom on the earth in Jerusalem. And while we're in the Acts, we want to quote one more verse. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31. These are the inspired guided words of the Apostle Paul speaking in Athens, in Greece, where he says, because he, God, hath appointed a day, in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man, Jesus, whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. Now this verse is speaking about the gospel, the good news concerning Jesus and of his return to the earth significantly for us these words were spoken to non-jews to gentiles therefore the kingdom is not just for the jews only but it can be for us in matthew chapter 25 and verse 31 jesus speaks about himself and answers the important question of when when's all this going to happen and he tells us he says when the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory well after these words jesus goes on to speak about all nations and a judgment where some people enter into the kingdom and some do not he talks about sheep and he talks about goats After judgment, the sheep class will be granted immortality and will live and reign with Christ forever with joy beyond our comprehension. But the goat class will die and be remembered no more. So, surely, this is a warning that we can take unto each and unto ourselves for us today. The second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth as King. To reign from Jerusalem over believing Jews and Gentiles is a fundamental truth of the Scriptures. It is not something that we can take an option on. No, if we would claim to believe in God and in his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ, then we are deeply involved. Yes, you and me. So what has to be fulfilled is that simple prayer that we should all know and have heard over the years. And it has meaning and meaning only in Jesus when he taught his disciples how and what to pray for. When he said, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. I will be done in or on earth and that's critical in earth on earth as it is in heaven now whenever has this happened no none of this can happen until jesus christ who was born to be king is here once again In Daniel's prophecy chapter 2 and verse 35 it tells us that his kingdom will fill the whole earth and then in verse 44 of that first chapter it says the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and finally we have in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15 this future prediction The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, Jesus, shall reign for ever and ever. Jesus was born to be and will be king of the Jews. He was also born to be and will be king of the Gentiles when he returns. And that day is very near now as we can see from what the prophets have said and from the signs of the times around us. God's kingdom is at the core of the gospel message, the good news. And we certainly need some good news today, don't we? And it is our choice right now whether we want to be a part of it. So we conclude then with, the King's own personal message for you. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Learn of him. Thank you for listening.